You are now in the Reality Capture Network. Welcome to the Reality Capture Network. We are excited today to have Jeff Miller with us. Jeff, thanks for joining us. Awesome. Well, we, you know, when we start these off, we like to, uh, very first thing, let you have a chance to kind of introduce yourself, give us a, a little bit about your background, where you're from, and, uh, you know, leading up into where, where you're at now. All right. Well, I appreciate it. Thanks again, Matt. Uh, always good to talk to you um, and appreciate the opportunity to be on the podcast. Um, so, again, name's Jeff Miller. Um, I grew up in Detroit, Michigan. Uh, when I was 18 years old, I kind of fell into land surveying. My neighbor's um, son and I went to high school together. And he randomly asked me one day if I wanted to start working with him. Yeah. Uh, did not know what land, didn't know what land surveying even was or what it entailed at all. Then from there, uh, grew into a little bit of a managerial role, but I was really young. Um, decided that, you know, leaving Detroit was probably the best thing for me to do personally and professionally because I wanted to, you know, make my own mark. Uh, went down to Lakeland, Florida. I got hooked up with a really great land surveyor who taught me a lot. I was there for five years. I moved out to Las Vegas, Nevada, which is where I currently reside. Um, and I've been here since 2005. Um, got my land surveying license in 2011. Uh, became a water rights land surveyor in 2011. And then I acquired my drone pilot certification from the FAA in 2017. So um, along the way, I, I feel like I've learned a ton you know you always can continue to learn more but uh got an opportunity to meet meet and work with a lot of great people including yourself yeah uh, sure. and that's that's kind of how i got started out awesome so, awesome um how uh yeah how did we meet we met uh through a company the startup company that i was working for data site um yeah how that company worked out and I, and I probably should have ran into a little more of my background, but I'll do that as we go. But yeah. in 2016, I was courted by uh, a few in investors who wanted me to become their land surveyor um, for the Las Vegas office of a company called data site. And what they wanted to do is take uh, drone surveying to a whole nother level. And with me being a land surveyor, they felt that you know, I could provide the expertise in that area to go along with, the goals and opportunities they thought they could bring to the table. Uh, they were based out of Simi Valley, California. Um, and what we needed to do at the beginning was figure out how this drone thing worked, right? Um, traditional land surveying using aerial surveying is done with an airplane. Uh, flies typically can't fly any lower than 1,200 feet. So our thought process was, well, drones can't fly any higher than 400 feet. So right there, you should be three times more accurate based on the math. Um, ran across yourself through LinkedIn and asked you guys to perform the back-end processing. And it worked out really well. You guys helped get us kick-started because at that point, we really didn't have all the employees in place. We didn't have all the equipment in place. We were flying by the seat of our pants. And we needed somebody who had a little bit of the expertise like you did. And I think it helped you guys out a little bit growing in that area as well. Mm -hmm. uh, we did probably about five or six projects together. Uh, I will say, and this isn't a plug for you guys, but it is, but you guys turned that stuff around really quickly because we didn't give you a lot of time to do it. Um, and everything worked out really, really well. And um, 
throughout that process at data site, I really learned a lot about drone surveying. Um, the issue with a lot of companies is they say they can provide drone surveying, mm-hmm. but they don't understand what the land surveying component is. Yeah. So they're giving you, they're giving you a point cloud, which the engineers and people who are architects and people who are going to use that data, they don't just want a point cloud. Yep. They want a usable, deliverable product. Yeah. And that's kind of where, you know, we stepped in and I believe you guys are in the same realm right now. Yeah. And I think that's honestly one of the, one of the overarching topics about all new technology that's out being used in construction engineering is, you know, every piece of new technology is a tool, whether it's a laser scanner, a panoramic camera, a drone, a robot, virtual reality, you know, whatever it is, they're all tools and and in order to apply them properly to different industries, you have to also understand or know how to create the data back into something that's actually usable or goes back into the format that an engineer or an architect or, or a surveyor is used to with the proper information. Um, and I think that that is an area that's difficult is, you know, a lot of people are wanting to adopt the new technology because of the pros, but then either get lost or aren't sure how to use it properly or how to turn it back into the right data um, to really make it worthwhile. Well, and, and that, that's a really great way to say it, Matt, because I mean, you've been doing this long enough and, and we've worked together. So like I said, I've been surveying for 29 years. I mean, I probably look like I'm 30, but I'm really 47. Um, so I've been doing this for about 30 years and the professionalism in a certain area of expertise, it can't be understated. Um, when engineers ask us for a deliverable, they have a certain expectation. And a lot of these fly-by-night companies and all the te- technologies that you mentioned, it doesn't matter what it is. Are you going to give them what they're used to getting, but it's better? Mm-hmm. Or are you just going to give them something and try to hype it up because it's the newest thing out there? Yep. And that literally is the biggest obstacle for me personally when I try to sell our services yeah. is there's a, num- there's a number attached to it. And yep. we have to be able to back that number up with a quality deliverable. And, you know, we really tried to match what the aerial surveying companies were getting in the past before we even looked in the out the door. You know, like I said, we partnered up with you guys. And then after a while, we started doing it in-house. And we developed our own, you know, patented procedures that we had in place where we could do the back end stuff. A typical ALTA survey, which is commercial real estate, mm-hmm. um, the typical turnaround time is about 15 business days, maybe 12 business days. We were turning things around in three days. Yeah. And it's not unheard of, but people don't believe you because yeah. you're taking something that takes 15 or 12 business days and doing it in just, even if we say five, they're like, there's no way you're going to get that done. So finding avenues to where you can meet clients and give them the correct pitch was something I worked a lot on and, you know, coming up with the correct presentation and be able to produce, uh, you know, certain examples Mm -hmm. that show these people, you know, we're going to give you a product that's literally two or three times more accurate, which it it is. Mm -hmm. We can get into some of that later on too. We we did a lot of, a lot of case studies where we would spend our own money just verifying what these drones are actually doing because you know that's another thing yeah you go out there and you buy a drone you get it out of the box and you go fly it and it's going to give you a point cloud yep. okay but how can you verify and justify that that point cloud is survey grade yeah you know and, and unless you have the right people on your team you and, can't yeah and which and one of the parts that's um you know 
a little bit scary is there are, are a lot of companies out there providing mapping services that if you bring this up, they'll say, well, what survey control? <laughs> Yep. Well, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and so there's kind of, yeah, I mean, this bring, this is, there's several points here. There's one, this is an overarching problem with integrating new technology is that a lot of people adopt what they know about it. They don't know what they don't know. Um, so some people, they're not purposefully providing a bad service. They just, they got sold on all you need is this drone. It'll map it and give you a report. And they're like, well, great. Let's just start doing this all over the place. And sometimes people adopt technology so quickly, they don't know that they're going to get issues. Um, you know, they're not, they don't know they're going to run into issues until it's kind of too late. And you're like, well, wait a minute, this isn't accurate or this, this happened, you know, something was designed from it. Now it's not fitting or until you run into an issue. Um, so that's, that's, yeah, I think that's one of the biggest uh, issues across the board with the integration of new technologies is sometimes moving too quick or not getting the right parties involved, which honestly, right here, this is, this is one of our reasons for trying to do this podcast and these educational videos is helping people hear from a surveyor, hear from an engineer, hear from an architect. What are, what are you seeing with these new technologies? What are challenges you're seeing with the new technologies? What are things that need to be improved? What, you know, so uh, it's exciting to keep talking down these uh, paths with different individuals such as yourselves. Well, I'll tell you this too. So, you know, in the, in the mid to late 2010s, let's say the 2010 era, um, I started getting involved in the land surveying board uh, for the state of Nevada and for the Southern chapter down in Las Vegas. Um, and I was on the board for about five or six years and then I was the president in 2018. So, you know, you really get to learn a lot about the industry and you really get to see uh, certain individuals and how they, what, what their beliefs are and what their thoughts are and what they've, what they've tried and what does and doesn't work. And we had a conference at the Luxor in 2016, 2016. And one of the speakers was on drones and I'm not going to mention any names, yep. um, but the company said that, Oh, you know, you can go out there and you can eliminate something that's going to take you 35 man hours can be done in one hour. And I kind of pulled the guy off to the side right away. Cause I could see, you know, there was probably 75 people in the audience and they were like really getting frustrated. Mm -hmm. Pulled them off to the side. Said, there, there's just no way. And so I talked to him and this was in the initial stages. And I think that's one of the problems, and, and you, you kind of touched on that a few minutes ago, is the salesmen have a job, right? And their yeah. job is to sell product. Yeah. And they're going to tell you that, you know, you can just go fly this survey and you're going to be done in an hour. The processing takes 45 minutes. So in an hour and 45 minutes, you've done 35 hours of work. That, that's just not yeah. true. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's part of the problem. Yeah. We've, I've had this same conversation in the past couple episodes that we've recorded is talking <laughs> about, uh, especially again in these new technology areas with laser scanners with drones with with all of these new technologies a lot of the salespeople are pushing sales so hard and lacking on the education side some of them don't even know you know some of the people selling Correct. the tools they are you know they're a salesman they don't know survey they don't know why you might need control they've been taught that this is how it measures. Tell people this, it's this accurate. You know, their job is a sales role. So even some of them are doing it, not even knowing, um, but 
pushing pushing product and sales so hard that it is getting in the hands of people that honestly maybe shouldn't have it or are using it for the wrong type of application or they get sold on one brand and think it's the only one that exists and don't know that hey there's actually something that's better for the type of thing you're trying to do um i think that an increased education on different options is so important um, because we see this all the time we hear from companies that are like well we bought this one in this year because we thought it was the right one. Now it just sits on a shelf and collects dust. And now we're hiring someone else to do this service. And um, I think the, the education and training and uh, within new technology is definitely lacking. Yeah, I think, um, you know, we touched on it a minute ago, but, you know, it's called professionalism for a reason. Uh, you know, you, you're the owner of a great company, very respectable company. And, you know, I, I get chances to speak on podcasts and chances to talk to certain people and talk in front of groups of people. And I be very, I am very selective just because of the fact that respect to me goes a long way. Uh, you know, I've always respected you. Um, but the professionalism is huge to me and not understanding certain things. There was a project, I will go general, but there was a project on the Las Vegas strip for one of the hotels, 750 rooms. And they want us a 3D laser scan each room. So they wanted a proposal. So I gave them a cost and they, you know, they didn't reply to me, you know, how that goes. Um, mm -hmm. So I followed up with them a few times and I finally got an answer and I said, well, your cost was like, you know, you were 65% higher than the second person. I go, well, how many bids did you take? And they said, well, we took two. So, you know, and I had asked them all the right questions, man. You know, they wanted us to laser scan every single room. They didn't want mm -hmm. us to copy and paste any rooms. Mm -hmm. And I gave them a price and it was a fair price. And somebody came in with a backpack scanner mm -hmm. and they came in at like, like I said, 35% of where I was. Mm -hmm. And it's frustrating because, you know, at the end of the day, you know, that casino went back to them and said, what is this? Yeah. That deliverable was probably absolutely brutal. And you and I could have talked to the casino and said, listen, we can come in a third lower. We can do this and we can do that and we can make things work for you. Mm -hmm. But you, you know, you rarely, you rarely get that chance. You know, it's a one-time chance to put out the poll unless you know the client. And it's frustrating because I think, you know, you and I think the same way when it comes to putting out a very high quality of product, yeah. it costs money. Yeah. You know, we, you know, we have companies that we run because, you know, we know what it takes to get the job done. We're not, I'm not trying to make a million dollars off my every client. I would rather make a thousand dollars off every client and keep you for 30 years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, sure. Sure. And, you know and, I mean? and I think again, that's where just the education comes in because, uh, you know, there are times that a backpack or a mobile solution will get you by with what you want. You, you want a quick yep. floor plan. So, you know, square footages of rooms or something, you don't need a full survey grade, you know, you can go with a cheaper option. Um, but you, you also, so many clients, they, they pick it based on the price and they don't, they have no idea what the quality or accuracy or density or colorization, or, you know, they have no idea what the difference is between someone saying, I'll bring in this handheld unit. Yeah. It's a scanner and I can just walk a lot faster than the guy using a terrestrial. Well, okay. But those are very different. <laughs> those are very different technologies, approaches, yep. results, accuracies. You know, are you asking them to model outlets and give you an electrical plan, but they're saying they're going to come in with a quick handheld and like, it, you know, you're not going to get the same yeah. data out of it. Um, yeah. so I think continuing to 
even educate, even if it's something you can't provide, I think uh, service providers making sure they have an understanding of the options so that if they hear something like that, if they hear saying, well, you know, we heard about this handheld option, well, at least know the pros and cons of what's out there so that you can educate your client on this is why we would or would not suggest going that route, um, even in your own proposal, maybe. Um, yep. But yeah, there's there's a lot of that going on for sure. Um, maybe we could chat, uh, talk a little bit about where you're at, what your focus is, uh, you know, currently. Well, appreciate it. Um, currently work for Atkins, North America. Um, we are part of a company called SNC Lavalin. They are the main owners. They're Canadian based. They acquired Atkins, uh, in, I believe 2016. Uh, so it's been a little bit of a, um, a change for everybody at Atkins, you know, uh, adhering to all the very, very, very large corporate uh, activities and yep. you know areas that they want to rules they want us to follow. There's uh, 50,000 employees worldwide uh, under our umbrella. Um, I believe there's about 4,500 Atkins employees in in the United States. Mm -hmm. So I'm based in Las Vegas uh, as a project director. Mm -hmm. So I help oversee projects uh, in Las Vegas, Reno, Nevada and um, help with the marketing and business development for all of the Western half of the United States. Okay. Um, you know, currently as it sits, we have about 190 people, uh, employees in the Las Vegas office. So we're pretty large for an engineering and surveying firm. Um, and we are working on some really, really, really cool projects. There's a project on Las Vegas Boulevard. So they'll be doing a lot of Las Vegas Boulevard. Uh, we do construction management for that. Mm -hmm. And then through the Las Vegas Valley Water District, we are doing 8,000 surveys for them so awesome. they can install backflows for the water meters for all of the residential houses. Okay, so, great. Great opportunity. I came here in late 2018. I'm sorry, 2019, probably August 2019. Um, so I've been here about seven or eight months. But it was a huge opportunity for me to get in with a very large company. Mm -hmm. where, you know, I feel like I can really grow mm -hmm. and uh, continue to learn. That's so, awesome. A lot of opportunities for me. Yeah. So are yeah. you still, um, are you focused on integrating new technology still or kind of where's your current hand within uh, the new tech we're talking about within scanning, drones, things like that? Well, I think um, that's actually a really good question because for being as large of a company as we are there, you know, you would, one would think you'd pop in and they'd have, 50 drones and 50 scanners, you know, across the United States. And, and I was a little bit shocked that they don't. Now there is a drone program in place and we do have laser scanners throughout the country, but it's not something that is, that was already in place where, Oh, you know, you step in and you're part of this huge, massive uh, organization when it comes to that. Yeah. So I am a big, big part of trying to get that growing using yeah. what I learned at data site. Yeah. Um, Russ wonders was a, was a gentleman that I worked with over at data site who came over with me and we are, integrating the drone surveying with the traditional land surveying as well as 3d scanning so trying to bring the technology to a company that maybe wasn't as technologically advanced as they wanted to be yeah so that was which, the main reason they wanted to bring us over yeah which i know like you said you know and that was my experience as well previously working at a large corporate firm is uh you a lot of people defaultly think oh man, big company, high dollar projects, like they are up to date with the latest and greatest <laughs> using all the new technology, latest software, like, oh man, they're so far ahead. When honestly, that's almost usually the opposite. The big companies 
have such a hard time adopting new technology because it's way more of an effort. You have to you have to worry about company wide policies and risk. You have to worry about okay, if we decided to pull the trigger on a new software platform, we have to you know are we in, are we providing it to thousands of people or a small division? It's a much bigger decision sometimes to make. Um, and I f I found it was kind of hard to push and integrate it. Even though it's it's an awesome opportunity internally to a big company, it's it's a challenge to uh, really fully push it to where sometimes us innovative people can already picture like, man, I could build out this program and and be scanning and drone for like all these internal projects. It's sometimes it's it's hard to do internally, which I think is why it's also nice to find companies that are focused on the technology and a lot of companies have decided you know what it's a lot easier to pull the trigger partnering and working with with firms than build a firm-wide program um, i think both are optional it really takes the uh some leaders that believe in it and know and kind of champion the it internally in big firms to make it happen i think I, I literally think you hit the nail on the head. I really do because yeah, I was I was thinking I was going to walk in here. So what ended up happening is you know a bunch of us came over um, from data site, seven or eight people did, and and I was like, oh, it's going to be great. We're going to come over today and tomorrow we're going to be rolling. And there was nowhere like that. And there's a lot of uh, hoops you have to jump through, and rightfully so. You know, I mean, it's a large company and they don't want to take on a lot of risk. They want to be able to. Um, make sure that everything they do is actually working and make sure that they have all their safeguards in place and make sure that everything is up to speed when it comes to, like you said, risk and safety. There's a lot of safety procedures involved when you have large companies. Mm -hmm. um, something, something that could happen, you know, initially to a smaller company is going to affect the company safety wide. But if it happens to a large corporation, it could be very detrimental. Yeah. And so I do agree, like you said, you know, on both ends, there's reasons. But I will tell you that is why we partner. Yeah. Um, when we have uh, 3D scanning projects that are in Florida, where most of our scanning is based, there's not a problem. Yep. If we get you know projects that are in the western half of the United States, you know we tend to reach out to people like yourself, or, or yeah. there's a few other companies that we that we may turn to. Um, yeah. Even DataSite, my my former company, we use them for the processing and drone yeah. work because they've got you guys have specialists, sure. and those specialists. You have a niche, and you, you're a little more broad than yep. a lot of companies that, that that are 3D scanning companies that are just strictly 3D scanning. Mm -hmm. You do a good job of being uh, more generalized and provide a lot more than certain companies do. Um, but you guys have your specialists that are just rock stars that you know it, you can where you can keep somebody full time, a specialist full time. Mm -hmm. It's hard for these large companies to do that because their their idea of marketing is a lot different than than yeah. Nexus's idea. Yeah, you sure. know, so yeah, I agree with you. Sure, sure. Yeah. What? Um. Let's see. What? What's the next thing we could hit on? I know we've got some uh, different bullet points here. Maybe uh, one thing industry-wise, are you are you are you focused on a certain industry? I know you talked about different types of uh, projects that you guys are looking at, but um, yeah, industry-wise. Yeah. So that was another <laughs> great question. I'll tell you, um, that was a huge adjustment for me. So uh, every other land surveying company that I've been at, you know, typically land surveyors, we go after every single project we can possibly go after. Well, I come over to a company like Atkins. That's not their mindset. Their mindset yep. is we want the largest projects out there only. We're not going to do a residential land survey. We're not doing it. 
the risk is out there and we don't want the risk. Um, so we're going after very large um, projects mm-hmm. like the Water District job or Las Vegas Boulevard through the county. Mm-hmm. Um, they spend a lot of time and effort in their SOQs mm-hmm. for working with counties and, and federal companies and DOTs and stuff mm-hmm. of that nature. Um, so whereas I might have been generalized in the past to just go after everything, now it's a lot more spread out. And, and I know I said Western United States, but you know there's been actually some discussions right before Corona that um, you know I would actually be trying to get projects across the United States. Mm-hmm. So kind of unlimited range for me, which yeah. is part of the reason I came over here. Um, but yeah, their mindset is it's a lot different. Um, yep. I, I agree with it. I think it's a great mindset that they have and a great way of thinking. The leaders at the top of of Atkins are very uh, forward thinkers and they're not thinking about today or tomorrow. So for us, luckily, the coronavirus didn't really phase our company at all because we have these large projects that didn't get shut down. Yep. Um, Whereas, you know, some of the smaller companies are company land surveying. Sometimes you have companies that are very residential housing focused. Yeah. And unfortunately, the housing is kind of shut down a lot here in Mm -hmm. Las Vegas. So that hit a lot of companies pretty hard. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. How else, while we're on that topic, how else um, has the current COVID situation affected you or, you know, have you guys, it looks like, you know, working from home, how's virtual stuff going? How's your, how's your team still pulling together? I think, um, I think like everybody, first of all, I hope, hope you guys are safe and I hope it hasn't affected your company too much. Um, for us, for our company, you know, it probably has affected us a little bit, but, um, Everybody's working from home. Yep. Uh, there's a very small skeleton crew that's at the office for um, doing printing large, you know, plan sets and stuff of that nature. We, like I said, I think we're around 100 and 170, 180 people that are all working from home. So it put a big crunch on our server, yeah. which was kind of something nobody really thought about. Um, I think at the beginning, everybody had probably a couple weeks of, oh my gosh, this is so slow. It's really hard to work from home. And it was tremendously slow. I upgraded to the highest internet that I could and was still having some small problems. Um, I'm good to go now. Uh, I think it's great working from home. I get to spend some time with my little grandson and, uh, you know, it's an hour and a half commute there and back for me every day. So I'm saving an hour and a half a day. Um, I feel like, you know, work effort wise, I think I'm getting more done from home than I was at the office. Yeah. Uh, The thing that, the thing that does hit hard is I'm a people person. Yeah. Uh, I like to communicate with people and not being able to see people and talk to people and make sure, you know, you keep the camaraderie going and keep Mm -hmm. their, you know, their levels of enthusiasm at a high level. You know, that's the one thing I think has been affected the most. Yeah. Um, but overall I like it. I mean, I like working from home. Yeah. And we, we see that with a lot of people, you know, there's a lot of people who struggle having to be home by themselves or they don't have, you know, people that don't have family. And, uh, I saw a term and I started trying to push it out on social media as well is, you know, not, not calling this social distancing, but physical distancing, you know, exactly making sure that you're, you're staying interactive with people. Um, even just the difference of getting on and doing a zoom meeting or a FaceTime or something and actually seeing people and, uh, verse just a phone call. Um, I think it's important and yeah, it, you know, people's productivity, there's a lot of people that just don't do well. Um, so it's, it's, it's important to, I think, encourage teams, especially as leaders. Um, so it's nice to see people recognizing and and putting a focus to that. Now, have you seen, so, so we instituted kind of a mandatory, a semi-mandatory, all of the phone calls internally have to be done through Microsoft teams. 
with the video on just so you know you have that little bit of interaction yeah. but have you personally seen um like a little bit of flexibility in how you manage people because i know myself personally before you know i could make sure people were locked in and, and make sure they're happy and make sure they're in a good mood and, and now i cannot do that as much so i have to kind of do it through distance mm-hmm. um you kind of come up with little ideas and little things you can do to kind of send over to them through email or whatever try yeah. I'm in a good mood because, you know, another thing was too, is, you know, unfortunately some people, they don't have access to great internet or, you know, they can't afford great internet and, you know, that hinders them. And, you know, you don't, you don't want to hold something against somebody because they don't have the tools. You know, they're great workers. So we have made space in our office for about five or 10 people Mm -hmm. to be able to go into the office if they have to. And I, I think, I think everybody knows that they're, you know, the world is going through a difficult time. Companies are going through a difficult time. Individuals are. Um, so I think to me, it's really just been trying to interact on a personal level, let people know, you know, whether they're at an office or at home or just trying to show as much flexibility. And, and um, you know, one thing that I've heard multiple leaders say is it's important to just show up and be present during difficult times. Um, and so with those people that maybe are having certain struggles or concerns, or maybe there's certain individuals who couldn't keep doing the job they were doing and they've shifted to something else, just trying to continue to push encouragement and say like, you know, it's a, you know, we know what everybody's going through. We know what you're going through. We're okay with what it is you're doing. You know, just everybody's working through this together. And we expect that, you know, Hopefully over the next month or couple months, things are going to come back to a point that are semi-normal, hopefully. Um, I know everybody's still watching that and there's a, there's a lot of unknowns, but I think just being positive and offering encouragement with whichever situation uh, people are in. Yeah. Yeah. And I agree. And something else to touch on is, and this is um, it's something that I've learned along the years is uh, mentorship and management. You know, they go hand in hand. Right. And, uh, to get to the kind of um, opportunities and positions that we currently hold, being in charge of people is one thing, but being able to have them enjoy working with you and get them to produce for you and do that on a high level, you have to have a lot of mentorship skills. It doesn't even need to be in a mentorship program, but just being able to relate to what people are going through. I mean, you know, there's been people that I know that, um, unfortunately during COVID, uh, this lady that I know, her father would got sick and he had to go to the hospital and then he unfortunately passed away in the hospital. Well, she wasn't able to go see him. I mean, and, and, you know, you had, you yeah. cannot put a number on that of how, mm-hmm. how much that hurts somebody yeah. and being able to adapt to, to any sort situation is kind of, that's kind of where I feel like I've progressed in the past 10 years is, you know, you have to be a people person, whether you're outgoing or, or you're introverted. I mean, you have to be able to be somebody who can relate to everybody. Yes. And um, to, be, to be on the top of your game, you know, yep. um, just because, I mean, you know, this just as much as anyone is, you know, you could be in charge of 10 people. You could be in charge of 100 people. It doesn't matter. You're in charge of people, you know, and yep. those people rely on you. So our company, you know, we are going to have the managers go back first, no matter when we go back just to make sure when everybody else comes in, they see that the managers are there first. Yeah. You know, just kind of a leadership thing. Yep. No, I, so. I agree. And I think, uh, I, I think leadership and management, uh, like you said, not sending people into something or, or, you know, using them ahead of, uh, 
something you would do yourself, you know, um, right. showing like, Hey, if we're going to travel again, I'm going to travel too. Like I, I'm not going to just yep. start sending people off if I think it's unsafe or, um, really being a leader. And I, I love seeing some of those graphics you'll see on social media sometimes where you'll see a leader versus a boss and you'll see a guy, you yeah. know, a guy sitting on a chair getting carried by people. And that's like the boss and the leaders, the guy who's actually helping carry that chair, you know, or being at the front of the line, helping pull the rope instead of, you know, kind of just going along with it. Um, I think it's, it's really nice to see uh, leadership being played out in such a difficult time. Yeah, no, I a hundred percent agree with that. Um, man, let's see what's next. What do you want to touch on? Let's touch on a little bit about the surveying industry in general. Yeah. Um, you know, when I started out land surveying, it was uh, it was very new to me. And, you know, just thinking about what I wanted to do with my life. And, you know, at that time, I wasn't making a lot of money. I mean, literally, when I was 18, I think I was making $5.50 an hour, you know, because mm. times are a lot different oh, yeah. back then. And, uh, you know, you're growing up and you're like, you know, I was worried it was like 15 degrees, 10 degrees outside. And you're like, this, this is not worth it. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, I took it upon myself to, to gain some more skills, which was obviously the biggest thing is you're not going to get paid any more money unless you have skills. Yeah. Moved down to Florida, like I told you, and I put a lot of effort into it because I was by myself. I moved down there because I didn't want to know anybody. I just wanted to be me and spent a lot of time trying to dial in my career. Mm-hmm. And I noticed, wow, there's, there's a lot of jobs out there in land surveying. There really was. Then. And then, um, you know, as I've grown and moved out to Vegas and look back on things now, we there's an extreme shortage right now in land surveyors. Yeah. And I say professional land surveyors are one thing. There is ex- extreme shortage in professional land surveyors. But even, you know, party chiefs and crew members and survey technicians and everybody that does the work in the office, right now we are understaffed at our current, at my current company. And I know for a fact that in Nevada in general, there, there are so many jobs out there that are just not even being applied to that we can't keep up. Yeah, and it's a shame. Yeah, we're the same way. And, our our survey division in California is growing, and you know, if we had good applicants, we'd probably be hiring right now uh, because we're growing. But it's it's hard to find uh, people that are already have some experience, and I think even just across the survey industry, um, you know, the statistics of how many people are retiring or yeah. you know, get, getting out of the work versus the amount of new entries or how many new people are being licensed in California versus retiring out. Oh, it is so drastic. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, in Nevada alone, so they instituted a four-year degree mandatory requirement for land surveyors to be able to take the test. Um, when I took my test, you didn't have to have that degree in land yeah. surveying, but now you do. They instituted it in 2012. Since 2012, Las Vegas residents only, I believe there's been eight or nine people that have passed the test. Wow. Wow. Yeah, not eighty nine, eight or nine. Yeah. So think about that. So, and and I'm and I know I'm pretty close on that. I mean, there might be a couple more, but that's yeah. It. Mm-hmm. And you think about that, and it might not affect us right now, even though it is. But if you look ten years down the road, yeah, like right now, the average age, the average age of a professional answer here in Nevada is fifty seven. Yeah. So in ten years, ten years will be sixty seven, mm-hmm. and you know everybody that's fifty seven will be sixty seven, and you think about that, so they'll be retired, and there's not going to be any answers. Yeah. So what what has happened is is it's caused this major problem 
I feel it's a problem. I know people out of state don't, but now if you're out of state and you're licensed in another state, you can apply for what they call reciprocity, which means you can take the test here. Mm -hmm. So now these people from out of state are getting their license. Well, in the past, that wasn't a problem because if you wanted to do land surveying in Las Vegas or in the state of Nevada, you had to have a brick and mortar office in Nevada Mm -hmm. and you had to have a PLS there 30 hours a week. So it wasn't a problem. Well, now they just, revoke that so you don't have to have that anymore mm-hmm. so now if you are in california and you want to do land surveying in nevada you can do it from la or you could actually have a company and you don't need to be there yeah so don't get me wrong i mean times are changing and i'm all yeah. for advancement and technology and all that i just feel like you know certain states like nevada are, are going to get we're getting hurt because of you know you want to keep that work in the state you know that's just what you want to yeah. do um for our own personal economy yeah, but so. <laughs> if yeah, if you don't have enough uh, enough surveyors to do the work, then it's I think that's probably why some states are shifting mindsets. Is they're like, yep. man, the the some of these industries people are not coming in fast enough, and I think surveying in general, not a lot of people know what surveyors do. Like they're like, <laughs> wait a minute, that, yeah. I I've seen that guy. Is that the guy on the side of the road holding that camera? You're like, yes, that's the guy. It's not a camera. Yes, that yes. Uh, but I think how you did that with your mannerisms right there is exactly verbatim what we say. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, and it's that's just how it is. And I think that's also you know that gets into some of the topics about well, surveyors are slow to adopting new technology. You know, I think there's several issues. There's the issue of a lot of survey firms are slowed to adopt new technology. You've got the older generations who want to do things the way they've always done it. You've got some that are getting in and believe in the technology, want to integrate things. Um, I don't think there's a lot of good education going on to entice people to get into the survey industry. And I think one of the best ways to do that is to adopt new technology. You know, by a survey firm integrating and believing in scanning and drones and virtual reality and marketing that to universities and pulling, you know, there is a way to make the land surveying profession attractive and and be getting people into the industry where um, I think it's very minimal, uh, the amount of firms that are focusing on that. Yeah, no, I, you know, growing up, if, you know, you go to your career day at high school and they say, you know, hey, what do you want to be? Well, I want to be a firefighter. I want to go into the military. Mm-hmm. There are people that say, I want to do engineering. Mm-hmm. But you will never say hear somebody say they want to be a land surveyor unless their dad did it or their mom did it <laughs> or someone in yep. their family did it. And, you know, like you said, part of the problem was, and this is something that I'm glad you brought this up because I did want to touch on this, is when I was... 18 and 20 and 22 and I was in Detroit, I distinctly remember having this conversation with this guy in my crew. You know, I want to be the new wave of surveyor. You know, I don't want to be the guy because we'd be out there and they'd ask us to stake out a house and they'd ask us to do it with a tape measure. And I'm like, I can do five of these in the amount of time that you're doing one if we just use the GPS. Mm -hmm. And they didn't want to do it back then. This is in the early to mid 90s. So anyways, I told myself, I'm always going to try to be on the cutting edge of technology. And I left and, you know, went to a company in 2008, Diamondback, and that's, and they're still around doing a great, great job. Trent Keenan's PLS over there, but they, they're very high on technology. They were, even they were a little bit slow to it, mm-hmm. but they were not frowning on it. Mm-hmm. And then when I went to data site, the only reason I even left the company I was at to go to data site was because of the opportunity to be involved with technology at yep. the forefront. Yep. And I would go to companies and I would try to market this drone stuff. 
and they would look me in the eyes and tell me I'm crazy mm-hmm. until I would prove to them, I can not only give you a better product, I can do it in the same amount of time. Yeah. And it's going to cost the same amount of money. Yep. No, I'm not going to give it to you for half price because it's, it's getting right? to you quicker. Yep. You know? So yeah, it's yeah. Been a, that's a very big thing for me was be making sure I was on the forefront of technology because like you said, I mean, and this is, this is unfortunate, but is, this is the truth. I mean, in the early 2000s, you know, as recently as then, you'd think of a surveyor as, you know, a guy who, you know, did his job, went home, had some beers and, you know, woke up the next day. Well, yeah. this surveyor right here that you're talking to goes home and tries to get better each day. You yeah. know what I mean? I, I don't yeah. need to have a few beers at night. I mean, I will here and there, but I'm here to work and I'm yeah. here to get better and I'm here to try to, you know, take yeah. this to the highest levels I can. Yeah. But you are right. It's very difficult right now for land surveyors, people like yourself that are involved in even other avenues and then jumped into the land surveying. I believe your brother's a surveyor. Is that correct? Yeah. My dad, my dad, my dad is a land surveyor, which is how I got into this industry to begin with uh, the same way you did the same way. I think 98% of surveyors start is uh, it's a high school uh, field labor job. (laughs) Uh, Survey. I I don't even know what that is, but you're going to pay me to go like with this random guy to like what nail things in the ground. I guess I'll start and then you get stuck and then you find out there's more and then you keep going and then you, yeah. Um, that is the story of pretty much all surveyors there, you know? And I, I think, I think right now is the perfect time for surveyors to change that mindset though, of it not being the, you know, random job because you didn't find anything else to do, (laughs) you know, and starting laborious. I think it can be an attractive industry, but it just takes uh, some effort and uh, in being innovative and not kind of sticking to the old uh, stereotypes of what a, a surveyor is, like you said. Yeah. And not, you know, when I grew up, it was still, you know, there was a crew chief on your crew who literally beat the heck out of you every day. Not so much physically, but I mean, you know, mentally he beats you up every day, you know, and Whereas, you know, they were kind of afraid to let you in on the little quote unquote secrets. And that was the, you know, the unwritten rules of the trade when I grew up. And like I said, I was a young crew chief. They let me run a crew when I was 19. I wanted the people on my crew to learn everything. You know, if you have enough confidence in yourself, you want them to get better because it helps you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because then I can be moved up to another position and then they can do what I'm doing. And, you know, you look at certain things and now it comes down to is, the world's changing, mm-hmm. you know, and, and when we, when I grew up in, in the eighties and the nineties, you know, when you played football, they would grab you by your face mask and they would physically tell oh, yeah. you certain things. And now that's frowned upon and, yeah. and right, probably rightfully so, but there's other ways to do it. Yeah. So now I think, you know, if we let these, if we listen to the younger generation a little bit more, I mean, I'm the first one to tell you that I think a lot of the kids are a little bit, you know, spoiled. Yep. However, I do keep it in mind. And if someone's got an idea, you know, one of my little catchphrases is, listen, I'm going to listen to anybody mm-hmm. that wants to give me an idea. And if your idea is better than mine, I think it is, then I'm going to utilize it. Yeah. Now, if it's not, I'm going to tell you why. And then maybe you can refine it and we'll utilize it in the future. Yep. But having that open mind, because, you know, I'm not smarter than you because I'm a professional land surveyor. Yeah. I'm, I might be more experienced than you and I might be smarter than you in land surveying mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean that I'm smarter than you in, ge- in general, you yeah. know? So, I mean, I still take the card to a mechanic every time Yep. <laughs> and you know, I still go to the dentist, you know? Yep. So yeah, you know, and things I, like that. Yeah. And that's one of my, uh, my favorite parts about doing this network and podcast is, is 
integrating with different companies, different industries, different people. And, and, you know, at some point we plan to even do some like uh, panel type discussions, bringing different people all together yeah. at the same time, because honestly, our business has built, been built off of collaboration. I mean, I didn't, I didn't grow up in architecture. I didn't know b building information modeling. I'm not a drone pilot expert. I'm not, you know, the, we've built our entire business of new technology and integration to different industries by being open-minded, by, by yep. not saying, okay, well, we're going to specialize in laser scanning for this use case in this facility and not ever explore anything else. We have found use cases because we've connected with people and we've said, this is what this does. And, and people get to bring their approach and their thought and say, well, you're not an expert in forensics, but we have this big project where we need to understand why this building is failing. And if you scan it, I can use this data to check slabs. And we're like, you're right. I, I mean, I, I don't know exactly how, how you're going to calculate all your structural, but I know the portion I know. And by collaborating with you, we can create something digitally and innovative that's going to give you results that you could have never gotten any other way. So collaboration yep. and, and bringing together multiple mindsets uh, with the, the point technology at today, um, I think is one of the best things that can be done. You know, I, that's probably the one of the funner parts of my job is collaborating with, with even other surveyors. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, we collaborate with a lot of engineers and people like yourself as well, because let me tell you something, even though I provide 3D scanning, if I need something ex expertly done, I'm going to call yourself or someone like you. Yeah. Guys. I know where my expertise is yeah. and it's not quite there in that. You know, the drone surveying, same thing. I market it, I sell it, but I've got people that actually perform it because yeah. I don't yeah. personally. Um but collaborating with other surveyors, I mean, there's surveyors in this town right now that I deal with on a regular basis mm -hmm. and we even pass on projects to them. You know, we're, like I said, we're a large company, so certain projects are smaller than, you know, maybe we would like to go after, but mm -hmm. they still need to be surveyed and I yeah. still want to take care of my clients. So there, there's a guy, Mike Smith in town, you know, Smith and Associates that, you know, I, I lean on him all the time for stuff and, and then yeah. he'll call me in, in retrospect and do stuff for me as well. So, yeah. you know, I think that, you know, if you guys do do that panel, that would be a great thing for the industry because yep. the more we can collaborate together and because the one thing I hate that more than anything is, is, you know, people that are in the same industry that feel like you need to have animosity towards each other for any yeah. reason at all. Oh yeah. I mean, I'm good at what I do. I'm not afraid of you taking, you know, someone taking a project from me because I know I provide a great product Yep. and, and you know, so it doesn't scare me to have someone else talk about a project or, mm -hmm. you know, we collaborate with other survey companies, with other engineering yep. firms all the time. Yeah. It's, it's a great part of the business. Yeah. Honestly, uh, that's one of the fi my favorite things about us specifically is uh, people, people ask us like, well, isn't there a bunch of competition? Who's your competitors? And my answer from day one of starting our business has been, I actually don't have any competitors because... I'm, I'm trying to be very open-minded, uh, you know, honest with how we work with people. If someone, if a, if a competitor of mine brings us in to help on a project, I'm not going behind their back, trying to steal a client. Honestly, a ton of our business from day one, 60% has been working for people who do exactly what we do, but because nice. they either have so much work or there's a little piece they don't know how to do, or it's not their main focus. And so they want to focus on something and let us do a portion um, you know, so we have seen such a benefit from, from not being focused on 
competition and just being focused on uh, integrating the technology, helping the end client get what they need through collaboration. That that's you know that's pretty you know pretty high high up on our focus for our businesses. You know, collaboration, being honest and trustworthy. You know, focusing on pushing the innovation and you know training people, not being afraid that they're going to go steal our secrets. Um, but really just pushing the industry yeah. to forward as a whole, because even with all the new technology we see, you know, like laser scanning, a lot of people think, oh, it's starting to get saturated. Well, I don't think so at all. I think there is so much work out there that still has not even been touched, that there's a ton of room for continued growth and new companies, new industries. Um, I think there's so much opportunity out there that the the focus should be just pushing forward. Yeah. Totally agree. Totally agree. And, and the one thing I don't think that um, the up and coming youth of our country don't understand too is in 3D scanning and in land surveying. I mean, the certain projects that we that we work on, I don't think they understand like how much fun you can have on a project. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, we've done some killer stuff, and I know you guys have too. I mean that's part of the problem with getting people into the 3d scanning is awesome because I think that, you know, it makes them feel a little bit more excited than if mm -hmm. I say land surveying in general. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> there are just so many projects that, you know, we've been a part of and you guys have been a part of that. If the youth understood how fun work can be. Oh yeah. And, and then the, the best, the best part of my job is, is I really truly don't feel like I work. I feel like I enjoy yeah. it. Oh you yeah. Know? I really do. Yep. And there's, 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 I can tell you right now, I could probably count on one finger how many times I've woke up in the morning in the past 30 years and said, I don't want to go to work. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? I love it. You know, and, and that's what you got to find when you're younger like that. You want to find something that you want to wake up every day and go to work. Yeah. And not yeah. only go, you want to wake up and get better, you know? Yeah. And, so. and on, honestly, even for myself, you know, I, I'm younger <clears throat> um, and the technology is what built built is building my my career you know i i got yeah. into surveying because it was a job and you know my dad was in it and i was working on a field crew and you know going out to oil and gas facilities every day and doing construction staking you know kind of <laughs> going the typical survey route and you know honestly i wasn't super excited about it i mean it was a job um yep but when I got into new technology, when we first learned about laser scanning and I became the person to kind of head that up and look into it because I was younger, you know, I was good with computers. From that moment forward, my focus has been the new technology. I've been excited about it. I've built departments at companies. I've, I'm building my own company because I found something that excited me. And I think that's where integrating new technologies can make a huge difference for companies because the newer generations can get excited about it. Um, where, you know, yeah, it, it's probably hard to convince a college kid that traditional land surveying is like super fun <laughs> and super yep. exciting. It's a needed, it's a needed uh, career. It's a good industry, but the new technology is something that kind of adds that, uh, that additional uh, interest, I think. <clears throat> And the one thing too to make sure we hit on this is, you know, you have to be somebody that wants to work hard. Mm -hmm. You have to be somebody that understands that there are thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people in the surveying industry 
who are not professional land surveyors. Oh yeah. They're not professional land surveyors. And the, the reason is, is not because they don't want to be is because they don't want to put the effort in to go through and take all the tests and make sure they pass all the tests mm-hmm. and become a licensed surveyor or licensed engineer or whatever it is in your yep. life that you do. You need to be able to be somebody who's going to wake up every single day and try to get better and stop whining and stop complaining because maybe you're not making as much money as you think you should mm-hmm. be. When I, when I do the reviews, at the end of the year and the employees come in and they say, you know, I feel like I should be getting paid more money. I need to get a raise. And I say, well, what have you done to earn the company more money than they, than, than they were earning last year when you were working? Mm-hmm. The first answer I always get met is I come to work every day. Yeah. And I tell them that is the worst answer I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. You're supposed yeah. to come to work every day. What have you done? What classes have you taken? What skill sets have you worked on? How have you tried to improve? You know, have you gotten your drone license yeah. certification, which is not that difficult to get? You know, mm-hmm. how have you? How are you bettering yourself? Yeah. And I just, if I could say anything to anybody out there that's younger, it's like, be that person that really sells out. Don't be the person that says they're going to do it. Be the person that actually does it. Yep. You know, be the mad bird who who I met you two years ago, three years ago, and I. I was excited to come on your podcast because I wanted to see what you've been up to because I knew that you've continued to grow and flourish. I knew you weren't stagnant. I knew you weren't doing the same thing you were doing two or three years ago and neither am I. And you know, you can't reiterate that enough. You know, you really can't. I mean, my little grandson's three years old and I tell him every day, he might not even understand it, but I tell him every day, you need to get better every day. You know, you have to. Yeah. And, and I think that is a, you know, there's that typical millennial term and, uh, you know, there's, there are, there are people that feel like just by, just by putting in their minimum hours, they're just doing such a great job and working so hard. And it's like, you know, those people are needed, but if you want to, if you want more, if you want to grow in a position, you have to, you have to think ahead and, and not just think about yourself, but think about what you can do to improve, what you can do to add value. You know, um, I've seen little things, even in employees that I've had that it's like, they wanted to do a little extra or, or they did it and didn't say, can I get paid extra for, you know, they did something on their own or they asked like, can I do some training at home because I want to get better? And it's like, man, those are the people that, you know, they're going to put the effort in They're They want to grow. They're going to become more knowledgeable. They're going to become more valuable. And as these industries grow and our companies grow, we need those people that can do more. Um, and you know, we see it right now. There's a huge lack of people putting in the effort to learn this new technology. I know firms all over the country, all over the country that are looking to hire people that know laser scanning, point clouds, drones, Revit modeling. Yep. There is a huge need for those. And you can, in a couple years, you can have a really decent career because of the lack of people. Um, and, I, and I'm continuing to try to educate people on that uh, because it's it's something that, you know, instead of spending four, six, eight years, you know, going to college for something and then getting a job that you don't even use that degree anymore, like you could be getting in with a firm like you guys or us or, and and learning boots on the ground and get ahead, um, in a new industry that's really up and and coming right now. Yeah. And at the end of the day too, when those people do that extra work, they feel better about themselves. And that's the goal, man. It really is. The goal is when they feel better about themselves, they're going to do better work, you know? And, and I just, I, I hope that the younger yeah. generation really sees that and, and they're going to, because at the yeah. end of the day, I mean, you know, you hear these people say millennials all the time, listen, 
whether we like it or not, the millennials are going to be running the country soon. Yeah. So let's just give them a little bit of trust. Yep. Right? Yep. So. And and uh, one of the one of the phrases we say a lot internally uh, when we're talking about employees and work ethic and like where we want to go as a company, we always say our goal is to have the highest paid staff. Like we want to pay our employees the most out of anybody in the country. But how can yep. we do that? In order to do that, we need staff that are excellent. We need staff that are putting themselves ahead. And then then the way we can pay them the most is because we're doing such an excellent job for our clients that they demand our services above other people's because we provide such good quality, such customer service, you know, but it's a tiered thing. You can't come in and work the minimum and get paid the highest amount. You know, it's, it's gotta be, it, and that's where we want to build that in as a culture, you know, um, being, having customer service skills, having, uh, you know, innovative ideas and, you know, putting in extra effort, it really has to become a culture because, uh, you can't just have a couple people who do that behind closed doors and then the rest of the company's kind of the stagnant, uh, you know, do the minimum type. And, and I will tell you, culture is the key. That That's my favorite word. One of my favorite words is culture because you want everyone to be part of that culture. Mm -hmm. you, you hit the nail on the head because if they're not part of the culture, well, you know, they're going to end up having to leave one day. But if they buy into it, hey, you guys can be the highest paid staff in the country, yeah. you know? So that's, yeah. a, that's a great way to phrase it. I truly believe in that word culture. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Well, um, let me see. Is there anything else you'd like to touch on? I think we've hit on quite a few topics here. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, th I mean, I think like, we talked a lot about, about what I was hoping to get out. Um, yeah. If there's anything you know else you want to talk on, I'm more than open. Yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm happy. I think it's, it's nice to, this is the first kind of in-depth we've got in on the land surveying industry specifically, which I think is a great topic to hit on right now, um, encouraging people to, you know, I know we've got a ton of listeners to our episodes here. So people that are looking for new careers to get into, people who are interested in yeah. finding out more, looking into surveying, looking into laser scanning, looking into point clouds and drones and modeling. And it's a huge time because those technologies are being implemented in so many industries for so many different types of projects from oil and gas and industrial settings to wastewater to survey and civil to, you know, almost every industry is using these in one way or another. So, uh, looking yep. into those technologies and starting to train yourselves, um, I think now is a perfect time. Yeah. And, you know, for me, one more, thing, one last thing is that, you know, growing up, I had a few people that helped more than a few people, but a few people that stick out in my mind that, you know, help me get where I'm at right now. Um, so, I'm a firm believer in giving back to the community. So I, I try to reach out to as many people as I can. So yep. if there's any, ever anybody out there that wants to talk about land surveying or, or business marketing or anything in general, and feel free to reach out to me because yeah, I don't think you can give back enough, right? We, we yep. didn't just get here because, because of Matt and Jeff, you know, we get here because we have drive, but yep. also there was a lot of people along the way that helped us, you know, get to the where we're at. Correct. So, Yep. Same. And it's nice to hear that. And so we appreciate you jumping on with us today. We will be sure to uh, link your profile if people want to connect with you on LinkedIn and, and chat. And I think the, the push for collaboration and innovation, um, it's nice as we continue to do these to try to connect people as well. If there's everything, uh, ever anything we can do for you, feel free to reach out and we'll do the same. All right. Well, I appreciate it, Matt. Thanks again. And uh, appreciate the opportunity. 
You're welcome. Thanks for joining us. And uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Reality Capture Network, bringing the future to you.